everyone. Thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. Hope you're all having a wonderful day, and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, but it's the weekend now, so let's get into it. Today we're going to be talking about How to Break an Evil Curse by Laura Morrison. Um, this book has been labeled as a combination of The Princess Bride and Monty Python. And I've seen Princess Bride like a thousand times um, over the course of my life. And I'm, you know, I'm going to say this. Some of you might be like, gasp. I have not watched Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen clips of it um, at college, like little segments of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I've just never watched it in its entirety, and I know I have to rectify that. But what this novel also reminded me of was The Tenth Kingdom. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen The Tenth Kingdom. I'm a huge fan of The Tenth Kingdom. Let me just start by saying that. And that's kind of what this story reminded me of because I had a very modern lingo to it. I mean, the characters throughout the novel are going like, chill man or dude or... You know, it was just very modern, but it didn't feel out of place with this storytelling. I think it fit pretty, really well with the storytelling. And it follows Princess Juliana. She has been cursed by her father's ex-best friend slash evil wizard, Farland. And she can't be touched by sunlight or she'll die. So I think she's a really interesting protagonist and you know you kind of get this atmosphere that it's supposed to be medieval like um you know knights in armor kingdoms i really did like this so you're getting this very classic fairy tale atmosphere and yet the story the dialogue, the narrative, it doesn't feel out of place using phrases like chill out or dude or man, you know, it didn't feel out of place and you would think it would, but I think it really just added to the campiness of this novel. And I have to say, and there was a lot of camp to it. Um, it was really campy, but it was really funny and it was charming and it was charismatic and I thoroughly, I'm here for it. Um, I really did love the storytelling and the camp to it and I love the absurdity to it I didn't put the absurdity in my um, written review probably because I hadn't thought of that word until this moment but there's so much absurdity to it but it works I, I think it has the character I think it has the heart to it to create a very compelling um, story. And I think Juliana as a princess, she's really interesting. She can see ghosts. She's grown up her entire life in the dungeon. It, because, you know, of the curse. And I think it's really cool to see how everything works for her. I think it's how everything works out for her. And her parents are, you know, typical royals, really just basically they are not 
very aware of the state of their country or rather they don't really care as long as they're still collecting their taxes they really don't care you know they're out of touch there we go they are out of touch with reality and it really is a hindrance and I think it's great that Juliana is noticing this in her escapades. You know, she literally digs her way out of her dungeon and sneaks back before sunrise. She wants to be part of something bigger, even if that includes a revolution to take down her family. She's 100% okay with that because she acknowledges that her parents are out of date. So she is really aware um, and I do love the ghosts, you know, the ghosts were prisoners and they're just like, you're like super privileged. Uh, you're not really aware of the conditions. And, you know, they really do make her even more aware that she has grown up in privilege. She hasn't had to suffer like others. So that's something else that I also like because these ghosts were thugs you know but they're so sweet to her they do they do care about her quite deeply and i think that that's really thoughtful i think it's ultimately very well structured and it is very self it is very self-aware to the point where it is so campy um but there is a lot of character growth to it as well but again the absurdity you have warring he is the counter curse to her curse and the counter curse is an individual who has lived on the sea his whole life um has never set foot is part of a traveling theater troupe plays the banjo uh the harpsichord and oh there was another Um, so, I think that that's really, um, interesting and absurd. It is absurd. He has to be, have to have all these, I mean, it is the most outlandish thing in the world. And Farland did that on purpose to... make it really impossible. Sorry, I was trying to say Farlet does it makes it very impossible for the king and queen to find the counter curse. But it means it, it it does exist, you know, every curse is created with a counter curse, even if it is super absurd. It does exist. But I also think that it's just kinda it's it's a novel full of absurdities. There's just a lot to love about this book. Um, sorry if it sounded like that came out of nowhere. I did have to quickly pause to um, take care of my son for a second. Um, but, like I was saying, the absurdity to it is just magnificent as far as the storytelling. Now... 
as far as the pacing, you know, like I said, characterization is really well done. Uh, it's really funny. These characters are relatable. They are outlandish from the pirate McManley man to, yeah, his name is McManley man, to the enchanted raven's blood that talks as well. Um, there is a lot to love about the characterization just because it's very humorous for the reader. Now, the pacing. I think the story does flow very well, don't get me wrong, but I think the biggest issue here is the footnotes. I like the footnotes, don't get me wrong, but, you know, they're always at the end of the chapter, which, you know, makes sense, and I think they would work really well for um, an unabridged audiobook version of the story because when you're reading it you're just kind of reading you I mean you can go to the end of the chapter to see what the footnote is going to say but you know we normally don't do that um because I kind of, I feel like that also disrupts the pacing of the story. For the most part, when you get to that footnote, you remember when it's referencing. However, there are times where I was just like, what was this footnote? And I have to go back and find out what this footnote is referencing. So that's why I think it's going to work really well for an audiobook version of this book. Because as you're, as the, you know, the narrator is, you know, telling us the story they can quickly add in that footnote into their speech. And I think it's, I think it would actually flow very well that way. I think it would be, um, I think it would make the story even more outlandish and even more funny to be like telling the story, here's the footnote, say the footnote. So I think it would work really well for the, an audiobook version. For here, Um, for here, I think that, like I said, it does slow down the pacing of the novel, and there are times where you're reading the footnote, like I said, you have to go back to find out what it's referencing, but also, the footnotes are just there for humor. Um, they do add humor to the story, but once you're at the end of the chapter, and once you're on a roll, you know, you're reading, you're reading, you're kind of sucked into the story, and then it's like, park, you're, you're pressing on the brakes there. And then, that's it. You have to read this segment, and then you have to get back into the story. So it does disrupt the pacing, um, here and there. Not to the point where it's detrimental to the storytelling, but enough that it does, well, make reading it somewhat tedious. Overall, you know, like I said, I enjoyed the story. I'm all here for it. I can't wait to read um, the sequel because there's going to be more. It's the first in the series. And you know what? I'm here for it. I kind of want to buy them to put them on the shelf so that I can share it with my kid when he gets older. 
because um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to read out loud to my son as he's as he's um, older. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're reading this to your kids, you know I do think this is a great novel to read to your children. I really do. You, as the reader, you can go read insert that footnote, or you can skip it. You know you're reading it out loud. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. So um, this was how to break a. This is how to break an evil curse by Laura Morrison. I'm gonna go ahead and give it four stars. Uh, like I said, overall I did enjoy it. I loved it, but those footnotes at the end of the chapter are somewhat detrimental to the pacing of the story. So on that note, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. You can purchase the book off of bookshop.org. I hope you will continue to support this podcast by liking it and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and happy reading, everyone.